You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Uh, obviously, it's been a few days. Uh, I hope everybody had a tremendous Super Bowl weekend. Um, you know, seeing, reading a lot of the tweets yesterday through the Browns timeline, uh, timeline and Browns fans. I think maybe this year it, it, it lost a little uh, of the gusto, uh, knowing uh, you know, the Browns have put in a much more solid effort as being contenders this year. Um, you know, hopefully you don't lose guys forever for upcoming seasons. As far as, you know, possibly playing in the big one on Sunday, your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, joined by Sports Illustrated's Mr. Pete Smith at underscore Pete Smith underscore. As we're going to sit down here, start the week, a uh, couple of things to talk about, but uh, we're in full on offseason mode, uh, whether it'll be free agency covering the draft, however strange the draft process will be for 2021. Uh, this is where we're at, and uh, this is probably. All-season coverage is probably what put this podcast on the map. Um, and I've gotten, you know, a, a ton of feedback from people who are excited about that. I actually got some talk. I uh, actually got a DM today about somebody who had listened to draft coverage from the last couple of years and uh, wanted to, you know, laud Pete and I, you know, for you know the work we do and the fact that, you know, we're not just sitting here convincing about the top five names in the draft. We're giving you solid names on day two, day three, you know, players that we think can be good in this league and players that we think can maybe make a difference for your Cleveland Browns. Uh, so thanks for that. It's always nice to hear the kind words. Uh, before we get to Super Bowl Sunday, uh, Browns-wise, the most important story of the weekend was simple. Uh, Pete, something we felt strongly was coming, something that was strongly deserved. Uh, coach Kevin Stefanski, your NFL 2020 head coach of the year, uh, started a little shaky week one. Uh, then the rip, the ship started to, you know, basically find its way on water. Uh, got a dealt a hell that dealt a hell of a hand. Probably the last three weeks of the regular season, trying to manipulate uh, getting into the playoffs. We're able to finally put that to bed. Uh, although he was not there physically for the playoff week against Pittsburgh Steelers, did have a major hand in what turned out to be, you know, an amazing victory. Shorthanded of just an absolute piss pounding of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But again, for Coach Stefanski, first year on the job, uh, working with a front office in tune with him, working with an upgraded roster. Uh, there was, you know, th there were some goals. I think Pete, probably for the most part, they exceeded almost every single one of them. Uh, but this is, you know, where we're at here. And, you know, onward and upward, uh, it's really hard to win the award again. The only other way for Coach Stefanski to maybe get his name in that ring again would maybe be holding a Lombardi. Uh, but we've been this day, we've danced this dance as far as head coaches with this franchise forever. And uh, I think, you know, everyone, man, woman, anybody roots for the Cleveland Browns. Those days, days are over. Uh, the sheriff essentially is in town. Well, if the, if the Browns had gone 11 and five in a perfect world uh, without all this stuff, he, he would have at least been a serious contender for the award. He might've won it. Uh, but to add in all the challenges that they had to deal with, uh, that it was an unprecedented offseason, shortened uh, COVID-19, you have a, you know, racial unrest and all these things going on, and they were able to be effective in that process and ultimately 
uh, turning a, a good product that uh, was able to go to the playoffs and, and win a game on the road in the playoffs. So it's difficult to, you know, underestimate how challenging that is. Uh, Brian Flores uh, finished third, which I found surprising. Uh, Sean McDermott finished second. Uh, but, you know, this was Kevin Stefanski's award. Uh, once the Steelers fell off a cliff, uh, and once, uh, you know, the, the Dolphins sort of wilted a little bit, um, you know, so much of this award is about like the story and sort of defying expectations and those things. So, I mean, it was pretty easy to see, you know, why he should win this award. I mean, people crushed the hire. You know, this was, you know, we're, we're a year for move from the Browns completely screwing this up because they didn't fought, they didn't hire uh they didn't hire uh, New England Patriots assistant for the third or fourth time, Josh McDaniels. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a well deserved award. Um, hardly a surprise. So it was, you know, it wasn't like you know this was sort of a coronation. You know, this was an expected result. So that that part, you know, there wasn't like some big out of left field element to this, but it was still good to see him get that recognition. Uh, I, I think it's a little unfortunate the awards take so long to happen in this element just by the fact that, like, Kevin Stefanski had been named, like, Coach of the Year about seven different outlets already. So, you know, there was a little <laughs> bit of a an element that this didn't have quite the punch as some of the other awards. But nevertheless, um, good stuff. And obviously, you know, there's pressure now on him to sort of deliver. Well, exactly. I mean, there's nothing like your first and, you know, to continue and obviously build off year one. Um, and hopefully you're talking about two playoff wins. Uh, you're talking about, you know, pounding on the door for the AFC championship game, uh, competing within that. Uh, but he truly made a difference. And, you know, with the shorthandedness of it all, um, the intelligence and the quickness and the reaction of the way they were handle everything that came their way and the wondering of just exactly what was going on in zoom tutorials of trying to install an offense to players that maybe you had never physically even met, uh, you know, spoke to through text or telephone conversations or, you know, short brief zoom, you know, get to know you meetings, uh, just a remarkable job. And for where this franchise had been forever, uh, you know, finally get it right on the field uh, with a man, you know, who leads with understanding players, uh, treating players like men, understanding that every single player is not the same. Every single player may not think the same and expressing that and allowing these players to be themselves, encouraging them if they want to use their platform to stand up for things, basically telling them, I want you to do this. Don't think about it. Don't worry about how the franchise, you know, it, 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 we're going to back you or we, no, do it. You have this opportunity. And if you can be, make this world a better place in your opinion, go ahead and do so. The other awards over the weekend, Pete, I mean, other than, you know, the one nincompoop who uh, voted for Ben Roethlisberger for a comeback player of the year. Anything really surprise you? Yeah, I was not surprised that some jackoff voted for Ben Roethlisberger. I knew somebody was going to do it. But uh, Patrick Queen getting two votes for rook, defen- uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, biggest surprise. Uh, I, I don't know if his parents had votes, but that's embarrassing because he was awful. 
Congratulations um, to whatever Baltimore beat writer holds a vote, but go ahead. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I, I, I thought I was a little surprised at just how lopsided the Offensive Rookie of the Year award was. I'm not surprised. Justin Jefferson, had an incre- Justin Jefferson had numbers equivalent to Odell Beckham Jr. as a rookie. That's It's pretty hard to do. I was Yeah, I thought they might split that one like they did. That might end up being like Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley. Uh, so I was definitely surprised that it was like 43-7 to because uh, Justin Jefferson was outstanding, as was Herbert. But yeah, I'm just a little surprised it was that lopsided. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't think anything was terribly uh, out of the ordinary. Aaron Rodgers getting MVP, defensive defensive player of the year. You know, Aaron Donald is never going to be wrong uh, to, for a choice. I personally would have voted for Xavier Howard. Miles Garrett was more impactful than TJ Watt was um, to me just in terms of making bigger plays and doing it in more difficult circumstances. That's the thing with the Steelers. Um, have you know enough talent that you know TJ Watt is like virtually? I think it was there's a stat that's like he was double teamed twenty percent of the time. That's you know great, but you know even just watching him playing against the Browns, how many times he found himself single teamed or against the tight end, and then he was shut down in the playoffs by freaking Kendall Lamb. So uh, it's just it's hard for me to get too worked up about that. I did enjoy the Steelers players complaining about that because they're going to be awful next year, and this is going to be their last mm-hmm. last ability to sort of complain about anything. Uh, yeah, like you look at it, and um, I think in order to maybe, you know, surpass Aaron Donald as being the defensive player of the year in the NFL, you are going to have to break records, whether it's sack records, whether it's interception records, uh, maybe score four touchdowns as a defensive player. It's just the state of this, that side of the ball right now. Aaron Donald is – king of the mountain and you're gonna have to do something extremely extremely ordinary to overtake him from that we're gonna get to some super bowl talk here we're gonna get to your tight end year in review here with pete smith on the latest locked on browns yes nfl is over and it's sad no more games i understand it but there is a place that has you covered and a place that we trust for sports wagering BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Whether it's college basketball, whether it's NBA basketball, whether it is NHL, they've got you covered. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag your online sportsbook experts. Also, do not forget to check out Locked On Today, uh, five-minute biggest NFL news of the day, something new coming from Locked On. I've talked about we continue to grow uh, as we are now affiliated with Tegna, just more opportunities to produce content uh, throughout the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college channels, uh, just you know, continuing to uh, prove that you know, we are your team every day. Uh, before we get to the Super Bowl talk, um, I was, everybody knows, uh, you know, Mark Sessler, you know, was a big part of the show over the 2020 season with the fact that, you know, the, uh, the NFL Network headquarters in Los Angeles were pretty shut down. Um, Mark was home a lot, had a lot more, you know, time to give, which was fantastic. Um, and Mark, a part of the fantastic team 
over at the Around the NFL podcast. I'm sure everybody saw it somehow, some way. Uh, part of that podcast, you know, which I love, um, and, and to be able to you know call Mark a friend, to be able to sit down and talk with him as much as I did, just an absolute honor. Uh, but a hurting group over there. Uh, the you know football content community lost a great one over the week in Chris Wessling. Uh, you know, Chris, you know, former postman, found his dream job, um, rocked it day in, day out, uh, you know, beat cancer's ass once, uh, fell in love, uh, got married, had a baby boy, and then cancer came creeping back in. Uh, sadly, cancer won uh, the next round. Um, there is a GoFundMe going around um, for Chris's wife, Lakeisha, and his son, Link. Um, you know, Chris says great as he was, you know, for everybody to get to listen to every day, you know, read his work. He had an outstanding mind. He had an outstanding passion for the game. Um, but most importantly, he was a husband. And most importantly, there's a infant child now that's going to go on for the rest of their life without their natural father. Um, so anything, if you can, you have a despair, uh, please look for the GoFundMe. It's definitely within, uh, you know, within my tweets. Um, if you have a despair, uh, Please, please do, because uh, Chris Wesley was a fantastic man, had a brilliant football mind, and for accounts for all accounts from everybody who knew him better than I did, was just the genuine, real deal as far as being a man. Uh, so please, if you can, go ahead and check that out. Pete, I got to say the game itself, uh, I'm not even going to get into the halftime show because I, 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 I still don't know what the hell I was seeing, and I know a couple of songs by the weekend, but eh. It just it, it, it wasn't for me. Uh, it, maybe it wouldn't have been a good halftime show anyway, whatsoever, due to COVID. Certainly possible, but that's about as much time as it deserves to be spent on that. But Pete, it, it, the Chiefs just couldn't get going. Um, you know, Todd Bowles basically said, <laughs> "You're not going to beat me deep, so you're going to better you better piecemeal it together." And as I believe two morons mentioned uh, on a pregame show when the Browns were going to play the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, what you had to do, you had to take the big play away, make them put together long, sustained drives to beat you. Uh, you know, Tampa went with this. The Kansas City defense didn't come to the play, uh, come, you know, the party, so to speak. Um, you know, maybe they were thinking that, you know, that Tom Brady was, you know, that Bucks offense was looking to go throw for throw. Uh, they were able to mix in a running game, ran the ball well. Buccaneers' offensive line played really well. Chiefs, with nothing left on their offensive line, didn't really get it done there. And you know, once that game got to thirty-one to nine, you know, as much as everybody was thinking, you know, this will be the time where you know Patrick Mahomes is going to step up. We're going to see this magic. It, it just never came, Pete. And you know, as far as you know, for a game that was probably built up, you know, Mahomes, Brady, this could be you know a classic. All of that. I mean. Kind of left, you know, kind of went out on a whimper and kind of went out a little bit of a snoozer. Yeah, the halftime show probably wasn't for you, but I bet you were at half mast at that freaking Jeep commercial. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs being the four backup offensive linemen just made it very clear how, how difficult it was going to be to produce a real game. So Todd Bowles is a great coach, period. Todd Bowles is not a great coach because he came up with some the game plan that three other coaches, or I should say at least two other coaches, have used against uh, the Chiefs and been successful, those two being the Raiders and then the Browns. But getting to go against four backup offensive linemen and no real threat of the running game until the second half when they were already down, you could just send your defensive end sprinting up the field uh, as they did with Shaq Barrett and JPP 
and cause problems, which is exactly what happened. Offensively for the the Bucks is where I think you really take something away from this, which is, uh, you know, the Browns played that team and they couldn't do anything in terms of stretching the field. Um, the corners were essentially laughing at the Browns at points and how hard Baker Mayfield had to go. And in this game, Mike Evans, you know, he's a four, five, three guy at over 230 pounds. Chris Godwin's a four, four guy. You've got Antonio Brown. who's quick. And these guys are going down the field and these corners can't play them man to man and stay with them. And at the same time, they're going so far down the field that it's opening up running lanes in the way that the Browns would be happy to do, which is essentially they found the turd. His name is Alex Okafor. And they just slammed Tristan Wirfs and Rob Gronkowski into him, uh, ran the ball behind them, and, you know, DBs had to come up and make tackles, which is exactly what the Browns would like to do. But the defense is sitting on top of them because they weren't ever really threatened by um, by the Browns receivers. It just – wasn't there. And then when the Chiefs were able to defend down the field, uh, they Brady would just dump it off to running backs with a ton of space in front of them. So it sort of, again, exposes what I think has been a real issue in terms of speed and just the type of receivers they had. Bucks defensively, the, the, the defensive line did all the work. You know, a lot of people are super excited about the linebackers. Levante David is, is phenomenal. Uh, and Devin White is really fast. He's he's sort of volatile. He will make some splash plays. He also does a whole lot of bad stuff, but he makes enough splash plays that people think he's like an elite player. And he was voted second team all pro. Um, the thing is, the Bucks don't pay any of their DBs. They're all on rookie deals. So they 1. have seven, the highest highest paid guy, one point seven million. And I don't even think that guy plays. Um, so no. I think it's Ryan Smith, at one point yes. seven five million. But they have all rookie deals. Uh, Jamel Dean, uh, Carlton the, Davis, Winfield, Carlton Davis, Whitehead. Yeah, Winfield, obviously in the first year of his deal, Whitehead. These are all guys on nothing contracts, so they could afford to spend all up on that front seven and those linebackers. So I understand why people are And excited. as we know, that winter will be coming soon for them as far as that theory. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, the Browns – Already had like the, the, so those those Bucks DBs made no money. Denzel Ward made eight million dollars this year. Like Terrence Mitchell made three point six 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 million. You know, Kevin that's Johnson more than the entire Buccaneers secondary. Yeah, that's all before. You know, Kevin Johnson three point five million, and then whatever incentives he would have he would have earned. Like it's just not a, a reasonable thing for the Browns to suddenly pour money into linebackers. So all these people are. Like, well, let's go get, you know, great linebackers. That's fine. The Browns were paying a ton of money, you know, not a ton, but they were paying a decent amount of money to linebackers uh, with free agents. Like uh, Malcolm Smith was making like, I think, three. B.J. Goodson's 2.4. Some of those guys. The So the Bucks have this area where they're saving a ton of money and they could spend everywhere else. The Browns can't do that with their DBs to then spend a ton of money for the sake of their linebackers. So you have to make that decision. The other problem is where are you getting these linebackers? If you go back to Devin White's like draft year, because uh, I, I checked this, you look at the picks that came after him, there's nothing there. It's like a desert. So they almost had to take him. So it worked out from that standpoint, and obviously they got a Super Bowl ring. But like I, I, Zayvon Collins is not that dude. 
I mean, you know, Micah Parsons beyond the weird off field stuff he's got. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think he's that dude. So, I mean, I understand where people are like, man, we got to get linebackers, but if they had a bunch of DVs, DBs, and by the way, this, the, the bucks did run some three safety stuff. Um, their did, defensive did line. You notice, did you notice both starting defensive lineups were listed yesterday with five defensive backs on the field? Yeah, it's just the way the, the way you know the way the NFL has gone, and I think you know, and the Chiefs against the people, This is happening. <laughs> this is happening. So yeah, I mean that's all of that is a factor. So uh, and the other thing I took away for, from it is the you know the offensive line. I mentioned that they had four backups, but it just goes to show, one, how lucky you have to be to get to the Super Bowl in the first place and win. Mm-hmm. But And what's just, left of it, you if you actually get there. <laughs> it's also a testament to what uh, Bill Callahan was able to do and what the Browns have been able to do in terms of paying depth. You know, obviously Chris Hubbard was signed to be a starter and they had to restructure him into depth, but he and Kendall Lamb were outstanding for the Browns this year uh, when they when needed to be. Long. Uh, you got Michael Dunn in there. You have obviously Blake Hans. You had Nick Harris. All these guys contributed. Meanwhile, you look at the Chiefs, and it's Mike Remmers again. And they put their left guard, former Brown Andrew Wiley, at right tackle. Like, why is Mar- why is Martinez ranking even on the team? Because he he doesn't play. <laughs> like they have him, and he wasn't activated. So you know that's a credit to what the Browns have been able to do, and why that's so important. So. Um, those are those are sort of the main takeaway. I like I you know I watch this game and and we're at this point now where the Browns are good enough. You're basically watching this about how the how did the Browns get to the Super Bowl and how do they win it? Well, they got to go through the AFC, so you need a bunch of DBs because you're still going to be dealing with the Chiefs. They're not going anywhere. The Bills aren't going anywhere. You know you got the Ravens. You know DBs stop them really well, and then you're dealing with teams like the Colts and and some of these other teams. Like the Titans are basically it as far as like the the team you want bunch of big linebackers so yeah you want speedy guys now it's a question of where can you get them and and are they cost efficient so I, you know i still think the winning pitch here is is get way more dbs and obviously more speed on offense well and if you're going to look and read it by as far as you know tennessee um they had a recipe for it this year and obviously it worked out you know pretty well uh we're going to get here to our last segment as we talk a little bit about the tight end room how it performed in 2020, start to peek ahead, maybe where it's going to look a little bit in 2021 as we return to offseason. Um, and I'll tell you this, like I tell you every year, nobody's going to give you offseason coverage like Lockdown Browns. It's just that simple. We're going to talk a little bit about Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, and I'm not saying anything yet. Maybe there's an addition coming to the Built Bar family. I'm not going to tell you anything just yet, though. Six of the newest flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft, and they are easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They are great with the keto diet. The flavor profile for your cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carb. Go to BuiltBar.com 
Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I want to congratulate uh, James and David, uh, co-hosts of Locked On Bucks. Uh, gentlemen, excellent job this year. Fantastic coverage and a close of the season and a playoff run. Just absolutely amazing. Um, top shelf, fellas. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, all the success that goes along with it. Um, and it's earned because you guys were putting in the work day in, day out. Congratulations, fellas. The tight end room. Um, Pete, the tight end room here in 2020 for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you look at the free agent edition of Austin Hooper. You look at the drafting of Harrison Bryant, uh, David Njoku, and the growth he made despite these changes being made, um, maybe to motivate him. Um, and if that was the case, it most certainly worked. Um, they valued him uh, as they picked up the fifth round option uh, the Monday after the draft. And this was after a cycle of signing the top top tight end available in free agency, drafting Harrison Bryant, retaining Stephen Carlson. Um, David Ajoku probably ended up as, you know, if you're going to put it per a per play per snap basis, the best tight end on the roster for the Cleveland Browns this year. Probably not exactly what they intended. Uh, I'm sure they were hoping for bigger things out of Austin Hooper. Uh, Harrison Bryant, I would say for where he was drafted, I think he got what he invested in him. Um, there were, you know, a couple of, you know, rookie mistakes as far as ball security. Um, and then as it got later in the year uh, with David Ajoku just showing as well as he did as a run blocker, Harrison Bryant kind of got put to the side. Then there was the COVID uh, experience. Um, but I will say this, um, for a group that was pretty good this year, Pete, I, I don't think they achieved as a unit what they were totally capable of achieving. No. I, you know, Austin Hooper was a pretty good player. They signed him to be a difference maker. You know, that's those two they things. They signed him to be a top five tight end in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, and I've been saying, I think he, he will have the most pressure of anyone on this team next year. So, yeah, I mean, he only made $3.5 million last year. It's not like he was making fourteen, but he wasn't as good as he needs to be. And I think you can get. I think uh, we saw more from him at the end of the year that looked like sort of like what you'd expect. He certainly played better, uh, you know, at the end of the year. So I'm hoping that's an indication of where things are going. Um David Njoku is is valuable at this point. Um, I, I don't think we, we. This could be the third year in a row, or I'm already dealing with people who want to trade him. He may, he's going to earn you know basically around six million dollars uh, for for this year on that fifth year option, which is nothing relative to you know with the Browns cap situation. And not if he can continue to run block like he did. Absolutely not, because you're getting a well, two-way that, player, and this is why you always love tight ends, because they can impact the game in two different ways from their position. Well, he had, I think, off the top of my head, 219 receiving yards this year, and 50 of those were the first game of the season. But <laughs> 60, he had five. He was he, he caught five passes on six targets in the playoffs for 66 yards. Like he was a big-time player for them on the biggest stage. In addition to the fact that he either has a highlight pancake or throws somebody off the field entirely once a game. 
Michael um, style. I think he was underutilized. I think this is the first year where he let you know sort of left people wanting more from him. I think the Browns need to do a better job of incorporating him in that in the offense, and I think he can do more down the field. And you all know you the know, reason the fact, why that's not going on, but nobody wants to admit it. But continue. The you know the Browns and and, and Harrison Bryant is a nice player. Uh, that that should only get better. Uh, you know, this is another one of the situations where we had a, we had a guy Cameron Brate type. Yeah, well, we had a guy get COVID at the end of the year. We don't know what he really, you know, how much that was a factor and how much of it was just being sort of a rookie. Uh, but he should continue to get better. But the Browns' tight end room is incredibly important to what they're doing. So they're not going to tear it apart uh, or trade a guy like Najoku just because you know he 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 didn't play as much as, as maybe he should have. Um, and obviously he, and that, he could be, of, that could be on the Browns own fault. Honestly, it could. I mean, if they had this vision of what they were going to do, um, or it could have been that it was a calling card to David and Joku that look, it's gotta be more about hand in the ground and it's gotta be more about moving people around. And did he take the lesson? Maybe you did, but you know, either way, you know, looking to 21, this should be a vastly, vastly improved room. Yeah, it's just I think the Browns can do a better job of managing that group. But but the bottom line is that that was an integral part of their their offense, and that entire room is going to make basically the same amount as one or two individual receivers. So it's not like it's some backbreaking thing. Tight ends are just a really really good investment. So you know, to me, I'm hoping David Djoku has a great year and they extend him. And I have no problem with paying two premium contracts to to tight ends and, and going cheaper at receiver. They're more difficult to find. They do more to impact the game than receivers do. Uh, but that being said, it's just the bottom line is that, that that position is too valuable. I think they can get more out of it this coming year, particularly if they have more speed to, to, to create spacing issues. But, you know, that's that's sort of the challenge. And obviously, Njoku uh, went on Jim Rome and had a really good, you know, I thought it was a really good interview uh, with Njoku, who, who – is very careful to say things exactly a certain way because you can tell the entire way he's worried that he's going to get taken out of some weird context and people are going to think he's, he's a dick. The reality is he's a really thoughtful guy who enjoyed everything about the season, but he also wants to play. Um, So when he was asked, you know, about his feelings on the situations, he had no comment because he doesn't know. Uh, I I think the Browns obviously really like him, but I don't blame him for that. And the entire basis of him trying to, get traded was for his own financial benefit. It wasn't because he doesn't like Cleveland. I think if Cleveland was committed to him and they want him to play, then he'd be thrilled. That's his whole thing. Like, Especially since that's one of the last players on the field watching the Chiefs celebrate going to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, so I mean, like, it's just, uh, you know, to me it's a human nature deal. Like everything he's experiencing or, or feeling is is more human nature. And, and the guy I listen to, and I, I recommend to anybody to listen to the whole audio thing uh, is to he, he he sounds far more mature than he has in the past. He obviously got significantly better. So, I you know, unless there's some reason, you know, there's some offer that the Browns are going to get that's too good to be true. I don't see any reason for them to move him. Uh, and he's not like petulant. He's not whining about it. He was a professional and did his job. So, um that room's critical to what they want to do. I think it will only get better 
this coming year. I, I think we got really the low end of what it can be this year, and it was still obviously a, a, an important unit. So it's it's one of those where I, you know, I think it has as much growth potential as any position on this team based on what was you know a relatively uninspiring but still effective performance this past year. So there's a lot to keep going with 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 that group. Uh, you know, it's a position where you always want to keep looking because you just never know when you're going to find somebody who's great. So it's a tough spot to play. Njoku's only going to be 25. You know, he's coming into his own. You know, this is the time, you know, this that second contract is the time where these, you know, these guys just start entering their prime years. And I think he's, again, and, and we did this two years ago, he's, he's primed to have a breakout season. Hopefully nothing gets in the way, both himself and injury-wise, because he can be a really, really special player for them. Uh, there's no question. And, you know, as far as, you know, we, we've talked about it where the Browns are essentially playing on this arena league field. Uh, you can open this up a little bit more vertically with the wide receivers. These tight ends are just going to eat and just eat, eat well, because if you've got to cover players 45, 50, 60 yards down the field, there's no way you're covering two tight ends and a running back within the, you know, five to 10 to 15 yard you know, parameters of a field. You just can't be everywhere. Before we put a bet on this one, I'll put this one to bed, Pete. Um, Pete, have you established, and it doesn't necessarily have to be round one, uh, round two, round three. Is there, have you established a must-have from the 2021 NFL draft class yet, Pete, for the Cleveland Browns? Um, well, the first round is really the hardest one right now, honestly. I will uh, say right now, I I I am more than 50-50. I am closer probably to 75-25 that the Browns will not make that selection at 26. Could drop down two, could drop down three, could drop down 10. I, I just think with the way this draft class is currently shaping up um, and with a lot of quarterbacks maybe going before 26, they may be in a prime position where they say, you know what, we're going to get the same value, uh, whether it's more picks this year, more picks next year. It's always about doing that due diligence and analytic people. They love to think and they love to play out scenarios. Well, the um, there's a real possibility they could end up in a situation where they they the, the pick the talent sort of falls off a little bit of a cliff, and there's a lot of pretty good players, and then it behooves them to sort of move back, especially if there's somebody who wants to come up and get a quarterback. And I assume, though I could be dead wrong, that uh, the Browns will want picks from future years as much as they can get them rather than picks this year. But, uh, you know, the guy I, I love for the Browns right now, um, you know, has been mentioned in the first round. I've seen him mentioned in the third round. That's Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Um, he, Just a baby. He is 20. Um, he has two elite seasons at Ole Miss. If not for Kadarius Tony and those Alabama kids – I think he would have made a much, much, much bigger deal because he was basically all Ole Miss had. Uh, and then that Lane Kiffin offense just allowed this kid to sort of shine. They used him at everything. I have to think he's very bright based on what I've seen, just the amount of stuff they do. Unless they've got something that really simplifies their offense for him, he is lining up everywhere, uh, which is a very good indication. He's built. He's short, not short, not small. He's very yoked up. Um, and if you watch him, 
Here we go. He does a lot of the things people love about Jarvis Landry. He will make tough catches. Uh, he will he will go fight. He's fearless going across the middle and doing all those things. He's also fast and will freaking take the top off a of defense. He uh, will high point the ball downfield. He can work at all levels. You can get the ball on a screen. You can hand him the ball on a stupid jet freaking uh, you know a, a jet sweep or or a wing counter or something. He can do all that crap that people seem to think is irreplaceable. Uh, but he's just great. And players that are that good, that young, you know, I, I he's not going to be for everybody. I think the Browns are somewhat of a unique situation uh, because of the tight end offense that you're not afraid to put a guy who's that short outside because you can motion them very easily. I don't know if everybody will view him that way. They tend to have, you know, if you, more traditional offenses want more height on the outside. Uh, but he's a guy you can put anywhere and be really successful. So if that's, 58th pick I, I would freaking run the card up uh you know I would I would be on I would not be inclined to take him in the first round I'm not really inclined to take any receiver in the first round the Rashad Bateman is tempting uh but just the, this I think he's does so many of the things the Browns want to do already he does a lot of the things that they don't do it's just a massive ball of talent that does so much right and I think he would just get he's going to get better and better and better at the next level no arguments, and he is actually penciled in for a watch tomorrow for Jeff, um, per the request of Pete. But um, obviously, a, a guy who is certainly making uh, a ton of noise for himself right now as people are starting to dig deeper and deeper into this 2021 class. I'm going to go with Hamstein Nasserl Dean uh, from Florida State. And no, it's not a Homer thing. Pete's actually it is 100% a Homer thing. No, it is not a Homer thing. Um, but you look at the fact of what he can do, and we keep talking about trying to have guys play this third linebacker spot, but also be able to play as a safety. He, you know, if you have the choice between Grant Telpin deep or Hampson Nasseraldine, you're going to choose Grant Telpin. If you're going to choose to play Ronnie Harrison back or Nasseraldine, you're going to choose Ronnie Harrison. Um, but this is one of those, what do you do about Lamar Jackson? Um, and this is one of those guys. He's going to be faster than linebackers. He's going to be as big as linebackers. He's going to be as physical. He tackles everything. Um, questions will be medical, which, you know, we're not going to get much privy to that this year without the combine. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But that is a player I just really think um, he's going to excel. Uh, we're talking about a guy who played safety, uh, you know, had a season where he had over 100 tackles. Uh, you want athletic players, smart players uh, who go out and tackle people. Um, that kind of seems like that would be something that would work here. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns, um, I don't know where it's going to fall medically. And, you know, as far as, you know, where he falls, you know, 58 would maybe be the range, um, you know, maybe, you know, here, if you want to do it perfectly, trade out of 26, bring in more, get Nassar Dean. You still have to figure out the quarterback position. I know, I know, everybody relax. We're not ignoring quarterback. We're not ignoring any other position. Just some guys we like who are fits for this team going further. He is Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated, uh, the leader of the Browns Digest team. Him and his team, they do a fantastic job over there, work their butts off, put out great content, and shifting now to truly just nothing but offseason, free agency, trade possibilities, and, of course, the 2021 NFL Draft. Make sure you're checking out Browns Digest, sportsillustrated.com, following Browns Digest on Twitter. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore show itself at Lockdown Browns. Always follow back account. 
DMs open, ideas for the show, thoughts, anything. It's off season. We have a lot of flexibility, what we can do, uh, a lot more creativity, what we can do. You guys got ideas, pitch them. I'm always looking for something. If it's fun, we'll take the ball and run with it. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open over there. Uh, again, everybody, thanks for the, you know, the thoughts and the well wishes. I know a lot of you are excited that, you know, we're now on an off-season mode. Um, as great as, you know, the 2020 season was for the Browns, uh, this is where we are. And it is off-season. And we'll rock it out like we always do. Uh, that'll be it. We're going to get here for the rest of the week here. we got a lot coming. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Juices are flowing. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB. On the LLB, let's go Browns.